Hi, this is Jennifer Rubin from Nightmare on Elm Street. Taryn, I'm beautiful and bad, and you're listening to Geeks of the Industry. Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to witness some scenes from the next attraction to play this. This picture, truly one of the most unusual ever filmed, contains scenes which under no circumstances should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily a We urgently recommend that if you are such a person or the parent of a young or impressionable child now in attendance, that you and the child leave the auditorium for the next... Features, a horror discussion from Geeks of the Industry.com. And now your host, Chunky Larry. Greetings, fellow insomniacs, and welcome to another episode of the Creature Features Podcast on Geeks of the Industry.com. I'm your host, my name is Chunky Larry. And following the critical success of Candyman, it seemed only obvious that a sequel was in the cards for the tortured torturer. Hiring budding TV director Bill Condon to helm the return of the Forbidden Fright, the film set out to expand upon the mythos, but ultimately was met with disinterest both critically and financially, almost spelling the end of the franchise before it could begin. On March 17th, 1995, Bill Condon's Candyman Farewell to the Flesh was released, giving audiences a diminished return of an urban legend. I'm afraid not. But he lives in the mirror. You say his name five times, he's supposed to come. That's how he gets you. You guys don't really believe that, do you? There's no such thing as a candy man. Those three victims were John Doe's. What if it's true? What if a candy man does exist? What did you see that night? Ray's body was torn apart by something powerful. 
This week on the show, we are continuing the theme of franchise killers. And I have to say, for those of you not in the know, which is my, my co-host for this week, uh, what franchise killers means is franchises that are built around a particular monster. So there are, you know, there are dozens of them. Uh, you know, obviously the more popular of the franchise killers would be Freddy Krueger, a Jason Voorhees, a Pinhead who we covered last week um, with Hellbound Hellraiser 2, but uh, the franchise killer for this week is Candyman. And uh, I covered the first film last year, and we are coming back into the world of Daniel Robitaille uh, with the second film, Candyman, Farewell to the Nish. And riding shotgun on this exquisite journey of franchise killerdom is uh, a killer herself, a killer queen if you will. Uh, she is the voice of the Creature Features podcast. You hear her at the beginning of every single episode, ever since episode uno, and uh, she's a person that I particularly admire. My own English muffin. The minion, Miss Natalie. How you doing? Well, how am I supposed to live up to that intro? That was all kinds of awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's that's what I do, man. I do that kind of stuff for you, man. That's like what you, you do, eh? That's what I do, oh, man. Because you like me. Because <laughs> I like you. I like you so much. Aww. I want to take a picture with you. In like you a take booth a picture. or something. We're gonna we're gonna go into a booth and take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I will paint you like one of my French girls. <laughs> I want you to paint me like one of your French girls, Jack. Uh, <laughs> and as a paying customer, I intend to get what I want. Uh, <laughs> boy, yeah, when you oh want to do Titanic, you call uh, me and let me know. <laughs> yeah, um, here's a here's a fun fact about Titanic. 
It's a film I've never and will never see. What? Utterly refuse. Why? Utterly refuse. Why? Aside from it being historically inaccurate, it looks That's like a, a big old just... flame and piece of shit. And it's it's built on the premise of getting little teenage girls wet, and I'm not a little teenage girl, and I don't get wet. Oh. I am a black man, which means water scares me. <laughs> 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 and um, I, I think that that's a perfect oh, segue no, into oh, no, you didn't <laughs> into where we're going with this film. Uh, the, the movie that we're covering this month or this week in this month that is the franchise killers it's the month of october everybody loves a good franchise when it's time to give a shit about horror movies again see i'm one of those weird fucks that horror always exists in my world i love horror movies but i'm I, not, I, i'm, I'm not the norm you know what i mean like that's not the norm most I know, I know. normal people only really genuinely give a shit about horror movies when it's Halloween time, just like people only really give a shit about Christmas movies in December. It's the same deal. And um, Yeah, studios are very much the same. I went and saw um, It in theatres the other week, and all the trailers were for horror movies, and they were all coming out within a three-week period of each other, all in October. Because apparently you can't release a horror movie at any other fucking time. Uh, there's there's been movies horror films released but none have really gotten the fanfare like they do when it's october and you know uh not for nothing i might be covering it within the month <laughs> the original or the new one the the new one <gasps> it was so good well you know uh, i i will give my opinion when i do the review and, how about that and go and going on that, you and I are going to disagree. <laughs> mm, I don't know, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Although I will say, one of my favorite moments I guess, was... I guess we're covering it this episode. <laughs> no, 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 I just, I just need to tell you this because it was so funny. The group of teenage girls that were sitting across the theatre from me, as it flashes up right at the end and it says it, and then it pulls up chapter one, all you could hear was this group of girls going, chapter one? What the fuck? Do you mean I've got to sit through that again? And I'm like, does nobody know this was a two-part thing? Am I the only one? <sighs> so anywho, yeah. the synopsis for Candyman is as follows. Have you been on the show? You haven't been on the show since we started the new uh, format, have you? Uh, no, the last one I did was Night of the Living Dead, the remake, I think, last year. Uh, okay, so... It's kind of changed long. since you've been around. Yeah, it's been an awfully long time. It's it's literally been a calendar year since you've been on the it's show. It's been an awfully long time. Let's not leave it so long. Let's time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe I'll have you on for the it review. Maybe you can oh. you can tell that wonderful story for that episode. <laughs> nah. Yeah, it's already here um. in Candyman. <laughs> well, very much, very much like it. Um, Candyman is an adaptation of a Clive Barker film, or novella uh, in the Books of Blood uh, called The Forbidden, and uh, 
but I'm getting ahead of myself again. Uh, let's get into the synopsis for Candyman 2, and then we'll just kind of get it rolling. Okay. Alright, so, synopsis is as follows. As her brother stands trial for the killing of an outspoken New Orleans professor, inner city school teacher Annie Tarrant begins hearing rumors that the Candyman, a murderous, knife-handed, to hook figure <laughs> oh. of urban legend, Skeptical of Candyman's existence, Annie follows the procedure for summoning him and suddenly finds herself celebrating the most horrifying Mardi Gras of her life. Meanwhile, Annie's mother harbors a dark family secret. They're black! <laughs> That's what they mean by dark family secret! <laughs> 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 niggas, y'all! <laughs> I can't say that. I'm not allowed to say that. But yeah, that's pretty much. But it. I can. <laughs> <laughs> As I said on the outset, I'm a black man, and yeah, I, water, you. <laughs> uh, anywho, this fucking movie guy. Uh, the first Candyman was. And almost, uh, it was an adaptation that, that took liberties with the source material. Um, you know, the original, and I, and I covered this when I talked about, uh, Candyman before, and, uh, that it originally took place in your neck of the woods, and it was, you know, it wasn't necessarily about uh, what it means to be African American or anything like that. None of the, uh, none of the elements of, uh, racism or any of that existed. And so... No, it's, uh, Clive Barker is horribly British. Yes. Or terribly British, he's, darling. He's awfully terribly British. Very yeah. British. Yes. Um, uh, and the, the original novella was set in London, wasn't it? I believe so. And Candyman was never... Was he given a race in uh, the He book? was undefined. Okay. And, uh, you know, the the concept of Candyman in, in The Forbidden was more about, you know, um, the idea of urban legends... And this very real urban legend, you know, and and it was basically taking off, playing off of the fears that Barker had had as a child. Um, you know, in the original film, terrific film, terrific fucking movie. Uh, yep. You know, excellently cast, really, you get a feel for, you know, what it was to live in the ghetto and, you know, this... This whole kind of culture and mythology that existed in uh, Bernard Rose's adaptation of Clive Barker's novella. Uh, and that was, you know, released in 92. Jump three years later, and we, you know, because we have to, you know, make another movie, and do we have to really make another movie? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you jump three years later, and, you know, people were you know, big fans of the original Candyman, so it seemed almost like 
a no-brainer that a sequel would occur. And everything that was great about the original Candyman is kind of an afterthought in this film. Uh, uh, Don't get me wrong. They they still talk to a mirror. They still say his name five times in a mirror. He appears. He still has the hook or the knife as the synopsis would lead you to believe. And, you know, that was Blade, you guys. Not not Blade Wesley Snipes, but Blade from the Puppet Master. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, this is... Uh, this film, for me, is, like, the most dumbed-down version of a great horror film. Where, you know... The first film is all about atmosphere and tension and, you know, really developing this kind of gothic love story of forbidden love and the consequences of racism. And all of these thematic elements that are in the original film, none of that is in this movie. None of that. Uh, It's... We're, we're following uh, Annie Tarrant, played by Kelly Rowan, whose brother uh, Ethan, played by uh, William O'Leary, who you may know better as the voice of Alf. <laughs> Alf! No way! <laughs> the, the little alien puppet Yes, thing. the alien life form that loves cats. Uh, Holy shit. And, uh, you know, the, the one, the one holdover that they did that I thought was cool is they brought back the professor from the first film, uh, Purcell. Yeah. The one that Virginia Madsen thinks she's got one up on and he's just like, Bitch, please, hold my beer. <laughs> and fucking gives her the backstory of Candyman. Uh, this film, they they absolutely explore the backstory more of Candyman. You know, it takes place in Louisiana, which does make sense in the sense that, you know, the character's name is Robitaille, you know, so obviously, mm-hmm. you know, living on a southern plantation. And, you know, there, there are things that absolutely do work about the movie but then there are things that really just got under my skin uh for one jump scare 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 scare. (laughs) look at all these jump scares with that stupid sound effect that swing oh my fucking god (laughs) oh my god you you didn't like that then (laughs) no um and it was like it, because they they had this kind of mindset that at a certain point in the film, if you do too much character development, that nobody's going to care. So let's let's have something jump out at you and go swink. <laughs> <And it's, laughs> uh, like it's so so bad, and um, the the Cajun accents are really really fucking bad, like really fucking atrocious. <laughs> Uh, my, oh, is that what that was supposed to be? Yeah, yeah, those oh, were supposed to be Cajun oh. accents. Like, uh, Annie's okay. husband Paul, 
Who's <laughs> oh you don't like that gumbo girl? <laughs> it's <just> like <laughs> fuck out of here. <laughs> fuck out of here. And so, you know, they they have uh Ethan, you know, blamed for the death of uh, Purcell, who you know, wrote a book on Candyman. Uh, you know, because he'd obviously, you know, they had to bring him back somehow. Yeah, you know, he's, he's doing speaking tours, where at the end of his speaking tours, he has his book, It's it looks like a mirror, first of all, you know, and at the end of all of these speaking tours, you know, there's always inevitably somebody that, you know, when he, in his very dignified and worldly British way, tells them, you silly paupers! Candyman's not real. Look here, I'll call him on my book. Buy the book, by the way. <laughs> and so he, he will call Candyman, and you know, then he'll have whoever's working the the event uh, stick a claw through the projector uh, to get that little, you know, cliche gasp from everybody. And again, jump scare, jump scare, jump scare. Jump scare That's jump, the only jump, time jump. I jumped. I actually jumped at that. Mm. <laughs> Uh, every time. I <laughs> That's the only time I jumped. <laughs> uh, my my head hurt from all of the eye rolls watching this movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but so you know he's killed by Candyman. No, spoiler alert. You know, <laughs> oh no fucking way. And uh, Ethan gets the blame. Now, even though after you know he's already in jail and arrested, you know. Paul is killed the exact same fucking way uh-huh. as, as a series of people that have died. They, they have this series, like it's a serial killer who's, you know, slitting p- people from their groin to their gullet. And even though the killings are still happening, he's still in jail. Because they, they haven't, you know, the, the, the system is so slow in Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> that he, it's because even though, it's Mardi Gras and everybody's drunk. Yeah, even though he clearly isn't the one killing because he's in prison while the murders are still taking place, they're just like, yeah, no, it's still that guy. He's he's convinced his fucking frail ass eighty eight pound sister to hoist people up by their fucking gullet oh. and, and slice them from back end to front end, and you know. You know, science, logic, math, none of that shit comes into play. Doesn't even fucking matter. Physics. <laughs> Physics. Biology. <laughs> Nothing's working there. <laughs> yeah, none of that. Because they're clearly the people that are responsible. And and she's the one doing the killing to make it, to clear his name. And yeah, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Uh, the, the character that plays the cop who's just like got a hard on for him. Like, Detective Railvick is just, he, he's cliche cop 101, and yeah. it's like, I oh, like I'm him. a detective, but I can't fucking see clear as fucking day, this guy is been in jail, so he can't do it, so let's let him go, and this fucking chick doesn't have the upper body strength to pick up my dick, but she's cutting through what? people. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and and how did she fucking kill uh fucking Thibodeau? Is that how you pronounce his name? Thibodeau, uh, the, Thibodeau. The, Thibodeau. 
how did she fucking have the ability to channel bees to sting only him and not her <laughs> and throw him through a fucking wall because science bitches <laughs> but no it's sure. totally there uh, <sighs> a, a highlight of this film is Bill Nunn who uh, recently passed away passed away last year a terrific actor. He was Radio Rahim. He's been in a, in a ton of shit. He was in New Jack City. He's just like fantastic actor. He plays Reverend Ellis. The priest. Yeah. Yeah. He's the. I wondered who he was. I recognized him from something, but I just. He's one of those guys that just seems to be in everything. I yeah. didn't know he'd passed away. Yeah, he passed away uh, last year. It was really fucking sad. Mm. It was fucking 2016's Bloodless was. Just unforgiving. Um, oh. In 2017 is uh, the sequel. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> um, but uh, this this fucking this guy is the dad of the young um, inner city boy that Annie is kind of taken under her wing. Uh, unbeknownst to her, it's because she's you know. She's a strong soul sister, and she's trying to raise up her her black brothers <laughs> and teach them all about the arts. And this kid is drawing vivid pictures of Candyman, and she's just like, "Oh no, it's make believe, Daddy. Here, look, I'll show you, Candyman, 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 Candyman." Oh, you said it five times. Oh. And uh, yeah, dude, it's just it's the silliest fucking thing. Because then, of course, you know, she's called down the thunder of Candyman. And, you know, in spite of all of that, he doesn't kill her right away. Like he does every fucking buddy else. Like, maybe he waits till she's alone in her room to kill her, but he doesn't. Because when he's alone, when she's alone in the room with him, uh, he's like, yeah, I'm not gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill your husband. And, and you don't know why until it's revealed that... Oh, spoiler alert! She is his grand... Great-great-granddaughter. Dun-dun-dun! And, and her brother Ethan is his great-great-grandson. Which is also, you know, why when the fucking detective calls Candyman and he's in the fucking interrogation room with him, he doesn't get killed too. I guess. Yep. I guess. But he's not, like, flirting with him. He's only flirting with his his white daughter. Or great-great-granddaughter. Because, you know, jungle fever, right? <laughs> <laughs> he's only into white women. His, his great-great-grandson, he's just like, I, you're a fuck-up, Alf. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's no fucks given for for fucking Ethan, but but Annie, he's all about. And uh, you know, Ethan is distraught because he found their father dead from a Candyman killing. Uh, he was obsessed with the legend of Candyman because he found out that you know his wife was descendant of fucking Candyman. Uh, Octavia, who was played uh, terrifically by Veronica Cartwright. She was the only one whose uh, southern accent sounded legit. 
Like, the only yeah. fucking person in the entirety of this fucking film that... It's because she's an actress, darling. Yeah, and she's terrific in this movie. Uh, but, you know, she's just like... The first time you see her, she's just like, I got cancer! <laughs> <laughs> what?! <laughs> what?! <laughs> Why is this a subplot if you just plan on fucking killing her? Like, within well, the film. Because like, this well, is so you have dumb. to feel for her first. But you, you don't! Get a... They make her out to be a bitch! <laughs> well, yeah, this is true. They do. They they do. And she, she covers up the fact that, you know, they got a little bit of black in them, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> I'm sure it isn't huh. the first time she's had a little <clears throat> bit of black in her. Uh, but... <laughs> 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 But, you know, she finally says, you know, oh, it's not real. And that's the, the, the one thing that you cannot say about Candyman, unless you're Annie. <laughs> yeah. Where you have now crossed the line and you got to pay. Got to. Uh, so what? his great-granddaughter gets murdered by him because, you know, his legend and what have you. <laughs> Little black boy goes into hiding because she called out the Candyman, and that's a subplot that is quickly thrown away because they they don't really spend a lot of time on it. It's just to have her go meet his dad, who's a reverend, and they can talk about religious indications. They're, they're, like, all of the things that worked about the first film, building this mystique of this character, building up the idea of urban legends, building up the racial fucking divide between white and black. None of that is here. <laughs> None of it. No, I, I seem to remember in the first movie, um, the Virginia Madsen character coming up against a lot of, or having to deal with a lot of racism, especially in that part of Chicago, in, in where she was going, in places she was looking in to try and find Candyman or deal with Candyman, there was a, an awful lot of of racial tension that was extremely well explored in that film. And, and the, the... In this one, she walks down the street and two black people come out of nowhere and go, who are you looking for? And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then it's, that's it. That's the, that is the full extent of it. When they go to the yep. old fucking plantation where they grew up as children, you know, within... Fuck what? Uh, it has to only have been a couple of years since they fucking had to move out because of the bad case of her dad being murdered by Candyman. Because uh, <laughs> they're, they're very vague as to the timeline as to when her dad was murdered and Ethan decides to confront Purcell. Like, that well, timeline you, you know is... It's, 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 it's all within those three years, isn't it? Because he does say right at the very beginning, the 1992 Cabrini Green killing, so it will have been within the three. Well, that's... But there's the, no the, way the that... Cabrini Green that killing took place... Two years. Yeah. So, that house is dilapidated as fuck. Just <laughs> fuck. As <laughs> fuck. <laughs> and there are squatters there, there's fucking cobwebs and all this shit. They fucking made a shrine to the Candyman, very similar to the first film. Um, and, you know, it, it's like they, they want these elements from the first movie 
but they don't want to keep it in the same area, and they want to explore the <coughs> backstory of Daniel Robitaille, which, you know, that's that's what you do in a sequel. You, you go deeper down the rabbit hole, and I get that. But just there's there are places that they took shortcuts that are very apparent, and they figured, you know, we don't need to make this scary. We'll just throw, shriew, shriew, jump scare, shriew. <laughs> so um yeah uh you know we we she finds the boy because you know again she suddenly gives a shit and he's just like oh yeah i've been hiding out in this plantation that you went to before <laughs> I, I, apparently the mirror where his soul was captured is inside of the plantation that you went to before. <laughs> in the servant quarters. Yeah, yeah. Do they do they say servant quarters or do I they say I believe they say slave, slave quarters. quarters. Slave quarters. Yes. Awfully bad. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, the the big the big because they 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 actually show uh, Candyman being lynched. Which, you know, has the potency of a wet fart. I'm sorry. Um, it could have been done so much better. So much better. But like, I actually kind of enjoyed it. I personally, I wanted to. I wanted to see backstory because you didn't get it in the first one. If 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 I had my druthers, I would have the sequel be a prequel where you get the Robitaille story, and it's and it's. You know, it could still take place in Louisiana. It could still, you know, it could be about him, you know, and this forbidden love that he'd had. And the culmination is him being turned into this monster. That makes a shit miss- ton more sense. Yeah. They, they did miss a trick in the flashback scenes, not having his forbidden lover she was played there. by... Yeah, but played by the same girl. Played by the same girl that's playing Annie. No, they, because it's kind of it's implied that she looks an awful lot like her, going on the portrait and everything else. But then in and the then fucking that first movie, the portrait looks like Virginia Madsen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm yeah. assuming Virginia Madsen didn't want to be bothered with this bullshit. But it would have been yeah. a much better play to have Virginia Madsen play that character. Much better play, personal opinion. Um, so yeah, they, they they show you know him dying, and in his dying breaths, he looks into her mirror, and she runs away from everything and looks in the mirror, and she sees him one last time, um, meaning his soul was trapped inside of the mirror, and the strength of his power is in the mirror, and that's why. You look into the mirror and call his name five times. Like the people that lynched him, by the way. (laughs) They conveniently only said it five times. And they said the sweets to the sweet. And, you know, like, it just... It's laughably bad. Um, But there's... There are things that I thought, watching it, you know, now post-Katrina, 
I was just like, ooh, <laughs> uh-huh. like when they're swept away by a by a flood of water. Um, yeah, that was that was uncomfortable. <laughs> Little bit. Uh, the, the the character Kingfish, who throughout the film is essentially doing uh, very much like the uh, the thing in the Warriors where. Hey, but he's he's also doing kind of like a, uh, a fucking Creole Wolfman Jack. Yeah, and, and you know, of course, because they're in Louisiana, it has to culminate with a scene in Mardi Gras, fucking inexplicably, just to have fucking Candyman walk around people, you know, celebrating Mardi Gras. Now, there are so many things about Louisiana culture that they could have used and implemented, like. The way that they treat their funerals, the way that the the bodies are buried above ground, you know, there there there's so many things that they could have done with this movie, but they just went swink, swink, jump scare, swink, and it just fucking burned my balls, dude. Like because the original Candyman is a work of fucking art, in my opinion. It is again. I would agree. It, it's a a dark urban fairy tale with, you know, roots and very real things that people still feel very passionately about, and, and they they implement those elements to the umph degree in the first film, and in this one, it's like a just a completely dumbed down version. Yeah. I also think it's funny that seconds after she finds out that. Her family is black. Her brother's shot by a police officer. Not for nothing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you know, it it all culminates with her having this stare down with Candyman. He's already told her, you're with child. (laughs) Uh, But then he's like, come with me and be dead and we can be dead together. And she seems like she's flirting with the idea, and it seems a little too fucking romantic for somebody who's supposed to be her great-great-grandfather. Um, not for nothing. <laughs> like, he's caressing her and shit, and it's just like, <clears throat> she's feeling it, and she's like, ooh, until she remembers, oh yeah, you killed my husband, and oh yeah, you killed my mom in front of me, and oh yeah, it's because of you my brother got shot in the back. Then she's like, no, I'm not with this! And she pulls the mirror out, and it fucking fills the underground with water. Uh, the underground railroad <laughs> with water. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she's able to save the poor black children from, you know, drowning in a flood in Louisiana. Uh, when he reappears, and he's getting ready to attack her and attack the young boy, she ends up breaking the mirror, and he breaks, like, pieces of I didn't like that. We jump cut to years later. Her the the seed in her belly is now a a blossoming young blonde white girl, um, who's laying in her bed and she's showing her pictures of a family album, and you know she's you know paying respect to her history and her culture, and she's just like, that's your black great 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 grandfather and one day when you're older I'll tell you all about it <laughs> I'll tell you about 
how your great 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 grandfather lynched him with a bunch of his buddies <laughs> and he became a supernatural murderer and murdered your grandmother and your grandfather and caused your uncle to be murdered as well <laughs> dad murdered your father you know yeah that guy that guy who's in your photo album yeah he killed all yeah. of your family <laughs> Except for me and you, because I broke this mirror. But I have mirrors hanging from your fucking bed! (laughs) (sighs) And that is Candyman, Farewell to the Flesh. Okay, I really liked this film! (laughs) You know, I just spent a half an hour shitting on this movie, and... I will say it is not without its charm. There are moments that I genuinely enjoyed, uh, specifically when the detective watches the other detective being murdered on the surveillance camera. And there's no one holding him up. That that part's very cool. Um, I also dug the fact that they brought Purcell back. Um, I thought that that was an interesting you know, thing to do that they paid attention to the original film, even if they took absolutely no guidance from the original film. Uh, this movie was directed by the director of things like uh, Beauty and the Beast, the new remake, uh, Bill Condon. Oh. He also directed um, Dreamgirls, Kimsey, or not Kimsey, Kinsey, uh, Gods and Monsters, like, oh, and uh, the uh, Twilight Breaking Dawn Parts 1 and 2. Okay, I have seen four of the movies you listed just there. Did I mention Gods and Monsters because he also directed that? Apparently. You did, and I haven't seen that. Um, I would say that this guy kind of sucks, uh, with the exception of Dreamgirls which is a stage play that was legitimately just adapted. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, most of these films are bullshit. I, I, I enjoyed Kinsey for what it was. But again, it's just adapted from uh, a biography. Uh, but, you know, Liam Neeson's great. I, I just, I thought that this was just a hacky fucking, like, where... The first film is a supernatural thriller. This felt much more like a slasher film era 95 dimension. Yeah. And, you know, I have I have gone on record as saying that the 90s was probably one of the worst decades for horror cinema. Um, many, many times. And uh, this is a perfect example of that. Yeah, it's not amazing. I mean, it's never going to win, you know, any awards. But as a, a just to sit down and not have to think too hard about it kind of movie, I really, really enjoyed it. And that's fair. And, you know, I know that, you know, there there is an audience for this film. I'm just not a member of said audience. No, because you are a different breed of horror 
aficionado. You are the. This movie's not made. The first movie was made for you. This Ooh, one isn't. The this first one movie is made, was made for. Well, this movie wasn't. Beautifully. It, it, it was, you know, it, it took elements that worked from the first film and, like I said, you know, just kind of dumbed them down. They just. They turned all of the elements that worked about the film. They muted them, you know, in, in the sense that they were still kind of there. But they weren't. And uh, it's time. And again, you know, you haven't been on the show for a while. But the, the way that we usually um, kind of summarize everything is with a rating system. And the rating system okay. is Reapers. Zero being the lowest. Five being the highest. How many Reapers are you coming in with this one? Um. Hmm. Uh, hmm. In comparison to the first one, which is easily a four and a half, probably a two to a two and a half. I'm being generous, I think. If you're, but if then you're that's because I genuinely enjoyed this movie. Yeah, and that's if you're if, comparing if it to the other film. If you're, if you're just looking at this film on its own merits, where do you land? Three and a half. There you go. See, there's nothing wrong with that. And uh, for me, uh, just looking at it as a film, if I if I had never seen the original Candyman, I would maybe rate this a little bit higher. But and I know that you know there's you know something to be said of being uh, having expectations of something. I had seen this film when it had come out. I'd seen it in the theater. Because, you know, it's fucking horrible. And I was kind of let down then. Um, But watching it again, you know, with the hindsight of being able to, you know, mature and everything, I was absolutely disappointed. Uh, I'm I'm talking about, you know, story structure, um, you know, creating a mood and a tension, and, again, using elements, because... Louisiana is a perfect place for a horror film. Like, it's a perfect place. Uh, the, you know, the culture of death in Louisiana is, you know, just, it, it writes itself. And they forego all of that to tell just kind of a, a loosely, you know, adapted adaption of an adaptation <laughs> and uh yeah it just like it doesn't really fucking work so i'm gonna go one and a half reapers for this i was very disappointed in it. i i love tony todd and he's terrific in the role he's terrific oh, he's he's amazing in anything and i could have him read me the yellow pages and i would be a very happy girl and i you know like it, it seems like I'm being unnecessarily shitty because I may be I may be being unnecessarily shitty about it but it's you you have such a strong you know Shakespearean actor you know with a refined dignified black character in the horror genre which isn't it, let's face it that's fucking rare it's yes. really, really rare. 
to have something that's that's you know a representation of black culture that isn't about you know malt liquor and and sagging pants like he's he's a he's a class act performer and brings a lot to the table and it's just wasted on this really piss poor film so one and a half and um, I don't apologize I, I the only person that I would apologize in regards to that score is Tony Todd himself because he deserves that He's just, like I said, he's amazing in, in everything he's in. One of the one of the reasons I was as interested in Final Destination when it first came out mm-hmm. as I was was because I knew he was in it. He brings a lot and to he, even the smallest of worlds. Yeah, he was in it for, he had, what, five minutes screen mm-hmm. time? Less than that. And he was the most impactful character it's in it. He's very menacing, that film. Oh, my God, he scared the shit out of me. Yeah. So, um, plugs, milady. Where can people find you? You can find me on the Twitters at uh, Gallifrey underscore child. G-A-L-L-I-F-R-E-Y underscore child. You can find me on Instagram as Edgehead UK. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on pretty much everything. Pick social media, I'm on it. Very nice. Um... For Creature Features, you can get a hold of us in a couple of different ways. If you disagree with my opinions, um, you know, feel free to feed that uh, response to one of these three different places that I'm going to toss out to you. In the world of Facebook, our like page is facebook.com forward slash creature pod, and on Twitter and Instagram, we are at creature pod. A um, couple of podcasts that I want to just toss out there because it's the month of October, and maybe you're into horror films uh, this month and you want to hear horror film stuff. Uh, first and foremost, I'm going to say the Final Girls Horror Cast. That's Amy and Carly discussing horror, thriller, and sci-fi films. Uh, they do weekly ex- episodes, and they're on uh, Stitcher and iTunes, and uh, you can also find them at finalgirlshorrorcast.com. I really, really fucking dig their show. I think that they're dynamic is enjoyable in a lot of fucking ways. Um, Horror Haven, they're also a fucking uh, podcast that I really fucking enjoy. And if if you listen to their Nightmare on Elm Street episode, you may hear a familiar voice. Not going to say anything oh. one way or the other, but um, definitely give them a listen. They are available on iTunes, and you can also find them at uh, SoundCloud dot com forward slash horror haven podcast um they also have a website and that's horrorhavenmedia.com so definitely give them a fucking listen uh, i really again i just dig what they're doing over there at uh, horror haven and uh really fucking nice people to boot i fucking had one of them on already uh we talked about inferno i want to get the rest of the group uh on one of these episodes you know on a one-on-one basis. I, I prefer one-on-one to large groups. Then there's uh, Say You Love Satan, 80s horror podcast. I have extolled the virtues of this podcast pretty much since I started plugging other podcasts because they're just a shit ton of fun. And uh, you can find them on Stitcher, iTunes, as well as 
sayyoulovesatanpodcast.com, and I absolutely recommend that you follow them on Instagram, at sayyoulovesatanpodcast, because they will watch movies uh, on Instagram Live and just MST3K the fuck up, and it's it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, uh, then I guess I'll just say it. Uh, we are going into the week of Friday the 13th. This episode drops before Friday the 13th. And this Friday, after you've listened to this podcast, because you listen to it the day it comes out, I'm assuming, uh, head of on course. over to abonpress.com, E-I-B-O-N press.com, and pre-order your copy of the Maniac comic book. If you enjoyed my conversation with William Lustig, uh, and you just want to get deep into the world of Maniac, that's an absolutely fantastic way to do it. I've, I've seen panels from this thing, and I just, like, I cannot wait. I love what they're doing over at AvonPress.com. Um, for you horror fans in the California area, Northern California specifically, or if you're in Southern California and you want to make the trip, uh, the October 27th through the 29th, the famous Monsters of Filmland convention, their Halloween convention, will be taking place, and this guy will be there in a professional capacity, interviewing congoers and hopefully guests uh, for a very special episode. Um, so look out for my fat ass. I more than likely will be either wearing my Creature Features shirt or uh, my Cannibal Holocaust shirt. So look for a big, fat, happy, uh, rotund motherfucker who's walking around with a microphone talking to people. And um, you may very well be on a special that I'm putting together for the convention. Um, So that should be a lot of fun. Uh, there's, There's a ton more things going on. And I guess... Now that we're midway through the month, I can I can toss this out because uh, I've been kind of keeping real hush about it. Uh, this month, <laughs> celebrating Halloween, we're we're obviously doing the franchise killer thing, but we're also going to have a very fucking special episode of the Preacher Features podcast, the Horror Hall of Fame. And oh, nice. I'm I'm gonna tell you guys right now, it is like I've been putting together the um, the guest list for this show, and it is a veritable fucking who's who of horror actors, actresses, directors. Like you're gonna be fucking blown away by the amount of people that are gonna be on this show. We're gonna have musical guests. It's gonna be big. It's gonna be fucking huge. And I'm really looking forward to everybody hearing this. This is the first time anywhere that I've talked about this podcast and this special episode. So um, you are on some inside dirt. I'm just gonna, just gonna let you guys hear that. That that's me, cat out of the bag. I've been teasing this for a little while, and that's what it is: the Horror Hall of Fame induction ceremony, uh, brought to you by Creature Features and GeeksOfTheIndustry.com. I'm looking to have that released October 31st. Um, But our next episode, we will be continuing the theme of Franchise Killers with a film that I just cannot wait to sink my fucking teeth into. And I am, of course, talking about 
the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And, oh, if you guys keep an ear out, you might hear an interview dropping this week with one of the cast members of that film. Uh, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, you know, then I guess I lied. But, <laughs> for Miss Natalie and for myself, again, my name is Chunky. This has been another episode of the Creature Features Podcast on geeksoftheindustry.com, Stitcher, and iTunes. Listen. Some of you trust. Oh!